Glory to Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. This is our continuing education class, the introduction to Eastern spirituality. Father, would you please go ahead and begin us with prayer? Oh, Holy Spirit, mighty Jesus Christ. Now and forever. So tonight we have three topics. We'll probably get through one or two, but I wanted to go back a little bit and talk to you about the Jesus Prayer. So there's a very famous book by Branchanina, Bishop Ignatius, on the Jesus Prayer. It's from uh, Orthodox Press. Uh, St. John of Constant, and you can go online, and I recommend it as a pretty good book. There's lots of books on the Jesus Prayer. Everybody and his cousin wrote one, but this is very good, and it's critical. That's what it says, it's a critical book. Now, I only want to use a few notes from this because I can't do everything, you know. But first of all, I want to say, say to you is never use our Lord's name except in prayer. I try to avoid using it even in preaching. I always say our blessed Lord, our blessed mother, our blessed lady, because those are sacred names. They're calling upon God. Very important. They're holy names. They're like secret names that God gave to us to call upon him. He sent his son to call upon the father. He gave us this beautiful mother to call upon him. And that is the Holy Family. Wonderful. Now, not exactly the Holy Family, but you know what I mean. Prayerful Holy Family. The Holy Family is actually Our Lady and her mother and her father. That's the Holy Family in the Byzantine tradition. Anyways, first I want to say to you is, what is the proper way to say the Jesus Prayer? Well, there's been, in the beginning was Jesus' mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, have mercy on me for the sake of your most pure mother and all your saints. All three are acceptable. Or just you're in pain. Jesus mercy, Jesus peace, Jesus love. But the name itself is sacred. Every knee in heaven and, uh, and hell and on the earth, above the earth, everywhere, you read that in the Bible, must bow the name of Jesus. It's not to be used or abused. So first of all, you have to do that. So now the ways to say the Jesus prayer, we'll go into that little by little. Uh, they had the chutki. I all all of them. I see they carry their chutki. It's little beads or little 
uh, cotton or wool things. People uh, call the monastery, they want one made by monks. It takes a long time, but we do it. But of course, we expect a remuneration. But anyway, we got to eat, you know. So anyway, so the other thing I want to say, just introductory remarks, is this, that... Um, The Gospel, the Acts of the Apostles, the Epistles, all these sources reverence that name. That's the name in which we are saved. It's so sacred, we all know the story about Ignatius, uh, the God-bearer, Bishop of Antioch. Who was he? He was a martyr, had a martyr's death in Rome. But of course, Antioch's not in Rome, right? It's way over there. Remember that Peter, he went from Jerusalem to Antioch. Finally, he got around to Rome with Paul, and they founded the church in Rome. But he first founded the church in Antioch. And in Antioch, we were first called Christians. He had a martyr's death under the Emperor Trajan. Not a lover of Christian, let's face it. They were taking him to be devoured by the wild beasts. And he had the name of Jesus constantly on his lips. The pagans asked him why he incessantly remembered the name. The same replied. They had the name of Jesus written in his heart. That he confessed with his mouth. Him we always carried in his heart. After the saint was eaten by the wild beast, by the will of God among his bones, his heart was preserved intact. The infidels found it, and they remember what Ignatius had said. So they cut his heart in two halves, wishing to know whether what he told them was true. Inside the two halves of the heart was cut open. They found the inscription in gold letters, Jesus Christ. Thus Ignatius and inscription in gold letters. This name, in effect, he was the God-bearer, always carrying Jesus in his heart. Written by, written by a reflection of uh, one of the authors of this book. Now, Ignatius was a disciple of the Holy Apostle Evangelist, the divine theologian, and privileged in his childhood to see the Lord Jesus personally. When you read the gospel, where the child called up, crawled up on Jesus' lap and sat there, that was Ignatius. That's what the fathers teach us. Now, he took him in his arms and he said, I say to you, you'll be converted and become as a little child. You shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever so enters shall humble himself as a little child, while the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So we have here evangelical and apostolic witness to the reality of the Jesus prayer in the early church. Not only in the scriptures, but in the early church. And the publican have mercy on me, a sinner, is the second part of the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, 
have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, you know all that about the Jesus prayer because your good pastor has taught you that already. Now, the other thing I'd like to say to you about the Jesus prayer is this. <clears throat> to begin this prayer, let me quote, consists in banishing the thoughts that come to us at the very appearance, the middle, what is in the mind, say solely in the words pronounced vocally or mentally. Constantly can struggle with your thoughts. Whatever is carried hither and thither, collect it together. Get rid of it. God does not require from novice prayers completely free from distractions. Do not despond when your thought is distracted, but remain calm, unceasingly ignoring your mind to its and contending to itself. Now, you know, I told you about a book a couple of weeks ago or a week ago. You are what you think. Buy it. We have all these thoughts. As you discern your thoughts, it's called ratiocination, psychology, all these things running through your knee all your time. So you have to stop that to pray. Your mind must sink into your heart. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, can we do this in five minutes, ten minutes, or a week? No. It takes a lifetime of practice. That's what the Hesychus do in the monastery. If they're working, they say the prayer. We stop after each hour, the major hours. We take five minutes or so. We're breathing and saying the Jesus prayer. What is the effect of the Jesus prayer? Well, <clears throat> it depends upon you. That's the important thing. You have to struggle. Our author tells us continually struggle with your thoughts wherever they carry you hither and thither and control them. So, I don't think you can learn the Jesus prayer in a few minutes or an hour. I think it takes a lifetime of practice. So I think that you think about it Look for your progress every five years. <laughs> I like that. Every five years. Now, now what will do, how is the effect of the Jesus prayer to you? Well, <clears throat> people say, well, it's dangerous. You need an expert. Uh, you need a spiritual father that's already a relic or something. I don't know. Well, listen. You have a spiritual father, God the Father. You have his son. You have the sacred name. You had the method of using it. Don't get taken too much up in the methodology. How many times you breathe or whatever. So supposedly, some say, you breathe in, Lord Jesus Christ. You breathe out, Son of God. You breathe in, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, in the, God, in the epistles, Paul tells us to pray always. Now, you say, I don't know if I can do that. But he also says, when you cannot pray, the Holy Spirit will help you pray. How does that work? Well, 
You pray, you breathe. Now don't drive down the street saying that Jesus prayer and getting a wreck, you know. But you're sitting in a chair, you're waiting to go in some place. Never go anywhere without a holy book. Psalter, spiritual reading, your chatki, say your Jesus prayer. So gradually, if your thoughts think sink into your heart, it becomes habitual. So as soon as you're not doing something, the prayer starts. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Even at night, you go to sleep, you say your, your evening prayers before you step into bed. Start your Jesus prayer until you fall asleep. Sometimes during the night, you'll hear the Jesus prayer in your heart again. Wake up in the morning, say your Jesus prayer. Now, some of the books, like The Way of the Pilgrim, he said a thousand times, a ten thousand times. He walked around with the lives of the saints in the Bible. You have to know the Bible, you know, holy thoughts. So in between your holy thoughts, when you're doing your holy thoughts, punctuate if you get distracted. Punctuate that prayer with that your holy thoughts, your pondering, with the Jesus prayer. It will become part of your life. I regret those days in my life when I have to say to Jesus, I've been so busy today, I don't think I said much of your prayer. I say a lot of prayers and pray seven hours a day, but there's something special. Now, <clears throat> for you who have been praying the prayer a long time and you don't know exactly what's happening, it sinks into your heart and you become quiet and you can uh, be very quiet and you can experience God in his peace in his love, in his embrace. Now, we just can't plan on that, but it can happen, and it does happen. You must be open to the prayer of the Spirit, and then you just don't do anything. Huh? So some people say, well, how can I sustain this a long time? You can't. Maybe some great mystics can possible. The fathers spent their whole life in the desert doing that. Read Neil Sorsky, read these people that talk about the desert fathers and their methods of prayer. What were they doing in there? Much of it, we saw apostolic evidence of the prayer. They were uh, saying these prayers, the special Jesus prayer. And they had wonderful experiences and some bad experiences because flying all around the world are devils. Not the big guy, but his helpers. <laughs> you say, stay away from me. Get the heck out of here. I'd say a stronger word, but you know, they record these things. You can't say anything. But just drive those things away. You have temptations against purity, against to use bad language against whatever it is, uh, stealing something, uh, naughty thoughts, drive them out and say the Jesus prayer. Remember the person you are or what you think. You have the medicine 
for the cure of these things. By doing these things, you become more open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now let's talk about these temptations. You know, if you just practice the Jesus prayer and keep your mind where it should be and read the holy books, gradually you're going to improve yourself and you won't have a lot of temptations. Once in a while, you get a buckaroo, though, or he's like, hey, he's in there, you know. Old Satan, he said, oh, I've got to get this guy. This guy's praying. Let's fix his wagon. This guy's asleep. Let's ruin him. And the passions arrive. Drive them away. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Make room for the Holy Spirit. And when you cannot pray, you say to the Holy Spirit, in the book of the book of the epistles, you tell me you pray within me when I can't pray. Well, now it's when I need your help. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, I want to move a little bit tonight. You can ask me some more prayers, but you can read. There's an umpteen literature, huge literature on the Jesus prayer. Not all of it practical, but Franchaninov is good, if you can get the book. But there's others. And your thoughts, there's other things on thoughts and how to deal with temptations. And you should read that literature. So when you go to confession, it's meaningful. And not that you tell the priest that same damn thing for six months. You know, your sins are obstacles to the work of the Holy Spirit. So you got to say the Jesus prayer. you got to be a meditative person, pondering, loving, falling in love, feeling the warmth that on the road to Emmaus, he says, were not our hearts burning within us when he spoke to us? That's what you need. Now I want to talk a little bit about, in connection, this is just a transition a little bit about prayer in the throne of your heart. You have to practice prayer, even when it's difficult, so that your mind, which is filled with thoughts, holy thoughts, sinks into your noose, which is part of your soul. And those thoughts sink into your heart and sanctify the heart, the throne of God, with the fire of the Holy Spirit. It's difficult. It requires dedication. And you have to have holy longing. The first step to this, I've told you before, is holy longing. With that, you're going to make a lot of progress. But we have to go on. You know, we say a lot of oral prayers. Somebody asked a few weeks ago, how do you pray? With your whole self. Your whole body has to pray. That's why we have postures of prayer. In the liturgy, we have certain ways we sing, we stand, we say the sign of the cross. Boy, you people mess up the sign of the cross. The whole sign of the cross has the whole Nicene Creed in it. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, two natures of Christ, human and divine. That's the Nicene Creed given to us by the apostles in 325. The Father 
the Son, who's the right of Father, and the Holy Spirit. Take time to say your creed when you make the sign of the cross. Other times, we're making the sign of the cross as a reverence to what's going on. You're praying with your body and your posture. Very important. Liturgy, matins, vespers, divine liturgy, the Eucharist, requires attention, devotion, and love. I know you love the church. I know you love our holy faith. It's probably the only thing we really have to love, except our relatives, our mother and father, children. But sometimes they can be a pain, you know, but love them anyway. As I lost my mother and father, my great treasures, I grieve for them. Now, don't go to church and tell God all your troubles. He knows that already. You're a big trouble to him. He knows that. But concentrate. Re recollect. Remember where you are. I had a priest friend, acquaintance, and he said to me, this morning I celebrated the Divine Liturgy. It was perfect. Every once in a while, the priest has a perfect liturgy. He's right with the Trinity. He's feeling the energies of God. Every word is pouring from, from, a, from a sincere heart. It's not all the time. But we should all try to attempt that way. And you are part of that liturgy, just not the priest. That must be your experience when you pray too. That that heart that you sanctified through the Jesus prayer, where God is enthroned, is corresponding in your participation in the liturgy with the throne of God in the holy temple of the Lord. Seraphim, Sarov, no, excuse me, it's not right. No, there's got the wrong saint. I can tell you something that happened to Seraphim, though, at the liturgy. He was acting as deacon. He saw Christ come into the church and jump into an icon. He went into a deep meditative trance. They had to go and take him and set him behind the altar. Interesting, huh? But uh, in Russia, they have another famous saint. He was praying, and he saw the fire of the Holy Spirit descend and go into the chalice. That's what's going on. Fire the Holy Spirit in your heart. The higher Holy Spirit working at the holy table. The fire of the Holy Spirit working in the priest, in the deacon. What? It's heaven on earth, isn't it? But you must form yourself by your prayers. You are what you think. So a lot of people, they're missing the boat. They're not giving themselves to the Jesus prayer, spiritual reading, pondering, knowing the scripture. woman came to the church one day and she says, she listens to the liturgy. She says to me, don't you read the Bible here? The whole liturgy is a paraphrase of the Bible. I looked at her and I said, well, if you didn't recognize it, you don't read the Bible either. <laughs> That's what I told her. 
you didn't recognize it, you didn't mind the bed either. Psalter. Maybe you can't say matins and vespers and everything like the priest and the bishop and the monks. Certainly not like the monks. you got to make a living or something other than mundane thing. Always something. Well, you know, every time you read the Psalter, you say to yourself, I learned something new. How come I didn't know that before? Oh, this psalm says that this Messiah is coming. This psalm says there is salvation. For this psalm says there is peace and holiness. You got so you can't do much. So say your Jesus prayer. Get a little psalter, put it in your pocket, and you open that psalter where you're at, where you, your lunch hour, or whatever. And you pull yourself together, sink into your heart, and say the Psalter. Very ancient Byzantine practice. It's a Hebrew practice. Comes from the Old Testament, New Testament, all the way up to us. On all these attempts, you are pleasing God. Well, you may not feel like you're pleasing God, you know. You don't have to feel it, but you will occasionally and beautifully. Hold a beautiful story the other day. I don't want to scare you to death, but um, we had a retreat and a pilgrim at the monastery last week with us for four or five days. And his wife is in a, a uh, hostage, you know, where people are dying. People should die at home surrounded with the people that love them. The monastery, somebody's dying. We try to keep them with us and have shifts of monks and brothers and going in and praying with them. When my mother was dying. I was in the parish. I had people in there with her all the time, either saying the Psalms or saying the Rosary. She did not die alone. She died with prayers. I was on the altar when my mother died, saying liturgy for her. The doctor came into the church, a great Catholic, says, your mother has passed. I was praying for her at the holy table, the liturgy. Must have been a nice passing. Must have been wonderful. Getting back to the story, his wife and this saying, you know, they're killing people in these places today. They do not treasure life. Even life that's suffering and dying must be taken care of, and we must especially be there with prayer. Just some people, when they die, this is the truth now, hear the angels. Some people, when they die, they fear the fire. This is his wife who witnesses this. I had a grandmother, my mother's mother. She told me the same thing. Uh, people I've gone to that were dying. Oh, uh, I prayed with them. I anointed them. I left there in peace. I had one fellow say to me, I didn't think he was going to die right away, you know. Gave him the sacraments, everything. You know, if you die after receiving the Holy Eucharist, you go straight to heaven. 
when uh, one of the Cappadocians, the sister, was dying, they gave her communion every 20 minutes so they make sure she got there. It's the food for the journey. Interesting story. Um, you must be dying surrounded with love, especially the Jesus prayer on your lips, and you will see him. He will come for you. The mother of God will come for you. Our patron saints will come for you. Your family will come for you. The Jesus prayer. You're a special person if you ingrain your heart with the Jesus prayer like St. Ignatius. And you take every attempt you can to keep those bad thoughts away from you. Just say the prayer. The Jesus prayer and bad thoughts, they can't exist, coexist in your heart. You drive them away. And you know who's in your heart. I've been te teaching you now for what? I don't know, five weeks or something. That your heart is the throne of God. That your mind sinks into your soul and sinks into your heart. and makes you a sanctified person. We have proof of this. We have whole books about people who have died. Some have come back and told us. You're so fortunate. You had the secrets of prayer because the Holy Trinity has made you part of his royal household. And he sent his son to reveal to you the Jesus prayer. He, and he has initiated you through the holy sacraments into his life, which abides in you. Say, well, Father, I'm such a big sinner. But there's always a spark in there of that divine life from the sacraments, and it can be revived. You're so fortunate. I got to love every one of you. Because the life of Christ, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the love of the Father is with you. How do you thank somebody for that? You love them and tell them about it. You pray. Don't ask for what you need. Pray for somebody else. This week, you know, in the monastery, it's tough. We get phone calls. I was in uh, Seattle, St. Nicholas celebration. We had a great time. We got a lot of gifts to bring back to the monks. I sat there after we had a wonderful play. The children put on wonderful. They had his manager ship Stanichar. I have to go every year to make sure they still have my ship. It's important. Anyway, I sat there afterwards having my tea and cake. Family after family comes up to say, Will the monks pray for this? Father, will you pray for this? Monasteries are the heartbeat of an eparchy. People, they love you in the parish. They want your prayers. But they know that there's something special about the monks' prayers. And they know they say the Jesus prayer. Monks have to realize how important they are to the whole church. And you remind them of that by asking them to pray. Let them pray for you. We contemplate a wondrous mystery 
the nature of the church. The communion of the saints with the faithful on the earth. It's just one church. There's another book you can read about the double-layered universe. They think God's up there on a cloud looking down throwing rocks, you know. That's not true. He's right here in your heart. Right here in your heart. He's keeping you existence. If one minute he forgot about you, poof, you're dust, you're gone. Maybe in dust. I don't know if we're going to get to be dust, huh? But you're part of his life. So why can't you say this Jesus prayer? Why can't you give God quality time? Why can't you say, temptations stay away from me? Naughty thoughts stay away from me. Passions don't destroy my relationship with Christ. Because I know all I have to do is say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, sinner. That's not compatible with the passions. It's only guy gets passion or a woman is when, well, I'll think about that tomorrow. I want to enjoy my sins today. Or life is short, you know. It sure as hell is short. And that's where you're going to go if you don't give God quality time. I was in the parish. I always tried every day to spend some time in pondering. Some parts of the office, we usually had Matin's short version in church every morning. I was sitting there one morning. I'd celebrate the liturgy so people could go off to work or whatever. And I would say the matins afterwards, people came up to me and said, Father Joe, can't we pray with you? What a gift. I said, of course, I taught the matins. Not like a monk would say it, but a sufficient selection. And there were five or six people there every day. That was my prayer group. That was my support. And they learned the Jesus prayer. And they really loved me for that. That I prayed and I prayed with them. Let people see you praying in your family. Pray with your family. The prayer, your home is the little church. You have to pray for them with them. I never saw, I've seen fam families with troubles, yes. But usually if there's prayer and faith, the family stays together. Very important. But I have to control my mind, what I think, what I see. So I see a lot of disappointing things. Pete Mass is sorting, as they call it in the West, or our divine liturgy, so people can go watch the football. Or they can go shopping. In Carpatarus, one of our priests was visiting. He went to uh, St. George, I think, in Kiev. And the church was packed. One service after another, after another, all day. And uh, a woman was walking out. And uh, he says, well, where are you going? And she says, well, I've been to Slushable. I've been to liturgy. And she says, now I'm going to go buy a loaf of bread and go home and have a meal. And she says, aren't your people packing the church? He says, no, they're not. She says, well, that's a shame because they're going to have to suffer then like we did. 
until they learn to appreciate the church and its liturgy. We contemplate a wondrous mystery, God's holiness living amongst us, especially in our prayer. We need a prayer partner who have Jesus Christ, the Father and the Spirit. We know the Father because he sent the Son. We have seen him on the earth. We see him in the holy icons. And we know the Holy Spirit because he's doing this work in our heart, praying with us the Jesus prayer, because he has promised to us, I will pray with you. When you cannot pray for yourself, I will pray with you. That's very important, especially when you're sick. Because you know, some people, well, I'm sick, I'm going to pray. Well, you don't feel like praying too much when you're sick. If you can, it's a gift. They hold on to their chutki, their rosary, their cross. Hold on to your cross, especially you men. Keep your cross in your bed with you wherever you're at, and you get temptation. Hold on to the cross. Crucify your flesh to the cross. I don't talk about ladies. With this control of what we think, and with this prayer that sinks from the lips, from the in the soul to the noose, into the heart, noetic prayer, you become a revelation of Christ, the man of prayer and salvation who died for you, who gave birth to you from his side on the cross. And all he asks of you is keep his holy name. Say the prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Read the books. Read the Bible. Read the Psalter. And become what you should be, a mature man or woman living in the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit and the liturgy which teaches us all things, which is called the church. Okay, I'll take questions now. Wonderful. Um, Father, uh, a, a, a chotki, is there a particular way of utilizing it um, you know, uh, uh, that, that you would recommend? Um, I know that there are different philosophies on this and it can get very complicated. But the question was uh, from someone was just, uh, is there a specific way to use it properly or a, uh, a specific you know, traditional way of using it? Traditional ways, you know, chotkis are all different sizes. I have one 300. I can't, don't use it too much. Maybe they can lay me out with it or something, but it's too long, you know, I'd fall over it. But it's a beautiful, oh, handmade, beautiful thing. I wear one for a hundred with a hundred knots. So if I'm sitting somewhere and I don't have a holy book to read, I sit there with the chutki in my hands and I say the prayer. Every 10, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, sinner, I say the Our Father. Uh, at the beginning on the little cross, I say the Nicene Creed. I never say any creed except the Nicene Creed. So that's an idea. But you don't have to have that in your hand to say the Jesus prayer. You can be laying in bed, can't sleep. Maybe God woke you up to pray. He wants you to pray at that time. Maybe somebody's in trouble. 
So you say your Jesus prayer. You can fall asleep then, it's okay, but say your Jesus prayer. So there is no perfect way to say the Jesus prayer except in union with the breath of the Holy Spirit in your heart. Any place, anytime, anywhere. Mm. But keep it with you, keep your chutki with you, so that if you need it, you can use your fingers or anything, you have it there, and it reminds you, like it's on the monk's habit, not because it's a nice decoration, but because he'll look at it and maybe he'll say a prayer. They go to the post office, don't look at the garbage books, put your little chutki in your hand and say a prayer. Somebody may ask you what it is, you give them the opportunity to explain to them what the chutki, what the Jesus prayer is. It might save somebody's soul. And that'd be wonderful. Okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, you've mentioned the holy books um, and, you know, the, the commentaries on the church fathers. Do you have a particular recommendation of a set of, uh, of uh, the church fathers or um, uh, a commentary on, on the scripture or something that, that you could recommend? Yeah, five volumes of St. John Chrysostom commentating on scripture. What more do you need? Yeah. You have Payne's little book, Introduction to the Golden Age of the Fathers. You have the Ascetical Fathers. You have the uh, Prologue. I mean, we had tons of Prologue. It's from Prookrid, which is one of the dioceses founded by St. Cyril Methodius. It's in our tradition. Mm. So we have, there's tons of these books. And unfortunately, they're full of dust. <laughs> so read them. <laughs> And yeah. think into your heart. Uh, then you have uh, patristic books that are organized to teach on a particular topic with quotations. Mm. And mm. on the prophets and on, I mean, on beautiful patristic literature on the, the sacred liturgy. Mm. So there's tons of it. I recommend it all. <laughs> Find a book that speaks to your heart and read it three times. Mm. Don't throw it away. Put it on a shelf. When you get all fouled up a year or two later, pick it out and read it again. You don't need the whole ending library, but you need a few significant books, especially with your Bible, that you are very familiar with. And the liturgies and prayers of the church give you formation. So if you know the theology of the church, you have the liturgy, which is the cradle of salvation. And if you read the Bible, you understand it. Mm. It's not like undigested cheese. What's the smell like today? Or maybe I'll like it. No. You have to have, understand the scripture in the context of the church and the liturgy. Okay? Absolutely. absolutely. Well, I've been giving you books to read all along here. So. Yeah, absolutely. We've got very many. Um what is what translation of the Bible would you recommend? Um, you know, it the seems Greek. like I'm sorry, the Greek. <laughs> okay, English translations or approximations. You try to find the seven sacraments in an English Bible, but in the Greek text, they talk the mysterion, and you can find in there the actions and everything of the sacraments. And there's more than seven, by the way. Certainly. Um, Everybody watched the consecration of the queen, you know, famous Byzantine ceremony, sacramental consecration of the king or queen. Yeah. 
Um, but is there one uh, for those that um, might be still working on um, learning the uh, the original Greek? Is there a, a translation that you particularly like? Well, no. But anyway, <laughs> um, some translations are better than others. Uh, don't be scandalized. I recommend the Orthodox Bible. What the it follows our liturgy. And it also has patristic commentary, and it's sort of a study Bible. I don't recommend any of the Catholic Bibles because they've got too much uh, modern speculation in them and philosophy. I don't like it. But I recommend that Bible. It follows the liturgy. Uh, you can find the readings for the day. There's even prayers in the back, except they neglect the prayers to the saints. There's morning prayers, evening prayers. He'll tell you what, and there's articles in there, pretty good. Maybe not as Catholic as they should be, but they're pretty close. And uh, 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 the, the footnotes and things you find out uh, in the articles, you see what some of the fathers said about this part or that part, so you're not being led astray. So I, did re I do recommend that. It's a pretty liturgical book. It's not perfect, but neither are we. So, But I recommend that. Perfect. That's what I give people. Absolutely. Um, Father, for people trying to develop a, a prayer corner, uh, perhaps where they can pray uh, at home, um, what kind of items, uh, in addition to the icons, or maybe what icons um, would you recommend? Well, you should have the crucifix in the center. Our blessed Lord and our blessed Lady, like they're arranged in the parish church, should have a table there. You should have your your Bible there, the lives of the saints. You should have a lamp burning there, which you light when you pray. Uh, you should have there uh, and make it a little cabinet. And for every feast, the big 12 feast, take your feast day icon out, put it on your, your little tetrapod there, your little table under the icons, and celebrate that feast with flowers and incense and whatever you can. You can get a little incense burner, don't bring the place down. Don't make sure it's metal and don't, you know, but put that there and get the family together. Sing the tropar of the feast with the doxology, the kontakion, and say your prayers. You need that. That's like, that's like bread to the hungry. You need that. Mm. Every Christian home ever should have their icon corner, you know, and don't put uh, some movie star in there or some real icons, you know. Sacrifice yourself and buy some really written icons, ones that are done by monks and nuns, uh, and pay the pay the shot because they need the support. They need to eat. Have it consecrated by your priest. Have him come to the house and put them in there. Give him a couple of bucks, whatever it takes to get him there. Huh? Let's do it right. Have your prayer books there. And maybe a molebin that you say is a family together to our Lord, to our Lady, Jesus, lover of mankind. Uh, this should be done. This should be the fun. And the children, they should hear this. Mom and Dad get on your case. They want to beat you up. You just go kneel in the icon corner. They have to leave you alone. You don't have to hide in the closet or the bed. Just go there. They have to leave you alone. They, they, know, they know you're going to pray. They're going to leave you alone. 
Remember Macbeth. He couldn't kill his uncle because he was praying. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay, we have a book to the Guide to Domestic Church. I think the Malkites put it out. It's very good. It is, yes. I oh it's too far away. I yeah, it's it's very good as well. Um so it's that's the guide to the domestic church by the Melkites. Yeah. Um and then Father, uh, while we're doing the, the question about uh books, can you just uh maybe show us the book on the Jesus prayer that you recommended at the beginning? See and it? that's yep, on the way uh on the uh, prayer of Jesus by uh Bishop Ignatius. Ignatius Branchaninov. Nice Irish name. <laughs> <laughs> um, Father, we've had a couple of questions come in. You said that there are more than seven mysteries. Um, could you maybe talk a little bit about that? It seemed to pique some interest. I said there's at least seven mysteries because there were more considered in the early church. All these anointings at the Council of Trent, uh, the Roman Catholics defined seven sacraments. But even at the Council of Trent, they admitted there may be more, and there are more. I think washing of feet should be sacrament. Certainly, uh, monastic profession is a, should be a sacrament. And not only that, if you become a monk, it's like second baptism. All your sins are forgiven. Hey. <laughs> so, yeah, there's probably many, many other sacraments. But everything is sacramental. God works through all these things and bestows the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Icons are sacraments. But the principal ones that we emphasize is so we get people initiated into the church so they're Christians and they can value from the gifts of the Holy Trinity to us. So, and I think that probably we could, somebody somewhere has written some books on this, but the church should revisit and reconsider, not stop knocking things down like minor orders and all these things that we had from the early church. They're all pretty well sacramental, not ecclesiastical, but there's evidence for them in the early church. They're fighting over deaconesses. Well, I think it's sort of sacramental. It's not a deacon, but they did help out. And there's still some oriental churches that have deacon, deaconesses or other things like that. The blessing of a father to his house, in his home, his children. It's got to be grace-filled. Yeah. The old definition of sacraments was a sign instituted by Christ that gives grace. That was from the Romans, you know. Everybody knew that when they were kids. So there's many of them. Mm. Uh, we just had a question about... Um, you know, this this father blessing of his house, what is the sort of practical way that would be done? They said they recognize the father blessing his children and things like that. The father's blessing of his house, when he gets a new house, he should pray. And then get the spiritual father. He should get the priest there, and he should give the priestly blessing to the house. Keep the devils away. Open the drawers. It's very important that priests at Theophany go and bless each house, see what's happening in that family, eat with them and pray with them so he is their father. Mm. Not just the emergencies, but I know 
it's hard because there's enough emergencies and there's enough traffic and all this, but same you can organize it. When I was a pastor, I'd do so many families in a particular area, and then we'd have a potluck together, and they learned, met each other, and I learned about the families, and everybody grows close together. So the fatherly blessing of the family, not only the natural father, but of your of your priestly father, your pastor, or his delegate, because not always the pastor go. But I used to take the assistant with me, so we'd go together, you know. Yeah. Very important. Now, fathers, don't let your children go to bed unless you bless them. What if they're gone during the night? I don't mean to frighten you. Your blessing means a lot to them. And give them a kiss, too. And kiss your wife, too, if she's not mad at you. <laughs> and if she's mad at you, tell her to get over it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you a funny story. It's just a funny story. I may have told you. I don't know. This couple were just married in a few months. And it's the middle of the night, 11 o'clock at night, and he's crying on the front porch. He said, Father, my wife locked me out of the house. I said, well, you got an axe? He says, yeah, there's one in the garage. Said, Take the axe, split the door in two, go up and get in bed next to your wife and tell her to quiet down. So his father-in-law comes down to the rectory the next day he says, Father, I got to buy a new door. I, says, yeah. I said, yeah, but you may have saved a marriage. Important. Human relations. Let not the sun set on your anger, husband and wife. Mm. Be generous to each other because when you're being generous to each other, you're making God happy. Remember the story about... Uh, the cup of the procession into the heaven with the Blessed Virgin Mary that Gregory Nanzianzen told. In front of that procession was the monastics, the angelic people. And next in line were married people who loved who were married as sanctified, lived in a sanctified marriage. Very important, the family. It's the little church. Shape up. Okay. Um, the one one question was, practically speaking, what does this blessing look like of a, a parent to a child? Put your hand, put your hand on their head and bless them. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, like the priest does. Mm. Who's the priest of the family? Who's the, the source of life there? The mother and father. Doesn't yeah. have to be, you know, written in five thousand pages. You know, a little blessing with a little kiss helps. Holy stories before they go to sleep. Have their icon. Each one can have a little icon corner where your kids are. Let them have that. I went to one house at House Buddy and a nice icon uh, corner on the east wall, but they had a little one down on towards the floor. I said, "Well, what's that for?" He said, "Well, the little kids can't see up there, so they had a little one down there." <laughs> Great. And in my parish, when I was a parish priest there. I had little chairs in the front in a row for the little people so they could see the liturgy. And I told them, if you're good, you can come up here and sit and watch the liturgy. And if you're not, you have to go sit with your parents. Some of the big people would like to come sit in the little chairs too. <laughs> they're wonderful children. You have to really love them and 
help them develop with your warmth and love. Yeah, it's important. Yeah. Yes. Wonderful. Well, Father, I think that's about uh, about time. Did you have anything else that you wanted to say? Not particularly. <laughs> I hope that everything's okay with everyone. That you had a nice Thanksgiving and uh, winter's not too hard where you're at. And I want you to say, we pray for you. Pray for us. Be generous in your prayer to everyone. Rejoice, O Virgin, Theotokos, Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your home. For you have borne Christ the Savior.